Welcome to the latest podcast from the Diocese of Gloucester, recorded by members of the Bishop's staff team. My name's Hilary Dawson, Archdeacon of Gloucester, and today I'm in conversation with Phil Andrew, Archdeacon of Cheltenham. Phil, we're recording this on the day that we anticipate the government might approve a further easing of lockdown. So how have these past weeks been for you and how are you feeling about a further easing of lockdown? Well, good morning, Hilary. It's really good to see you uh, all the way across the M5 without even having to cross it. Uh, I think like most people, these last, is it three months? Gosh, where have they gone? Have been, um, it's an overused word, have been a roller coaster actually. And from week to week and day to day, sometimes I'm feeling quite bullish and lots to get on with, uh, lots and lots of Zoom meetings. And then I, it feels sometimes as if suddenly reality hits and you something catches you on the news and uh, actually I felt quite low at times and I think that's that's just the nature of the beast really and in some ways it would be strange if we didn't. Um, how do I feel about coming out of lockdown? I, I was listening to something, um, a podcast actually the other day talking about um, uh, about crises and it was interesting they were talking about three distinct uh, phases often and they were talking particularly about people who work in overseas disaster recovery um, and they talked about a crisis and then a recovery phase and then a rebuilding phase and those needing to be quite distinct in order to actually be healthy but they said the person talking said the problem we've got at the moment is we are both in crisis and recovery at the same time and I thought that actually just about hit the nail on the head we we don't quite know day to day whether we really are recovering or whether we're still in crisis. And it's, it's a bit like trying to ski, isn't it, with one foot going uphill and one foot going downhill, if you've ever tried that, which I have, uh, and it doesn't generally work. So, so I think, I think that, that for me was quite helpful because it made me realise, well, no wonder you, you're up and down. No wonder there are feelings uh, that, that are conflicting and ambiguous and uncertain. That's a very long answer to a short question. How about you? No, I, I feel much the same as you. I think the last few weeks have been, some days have been fine, other days have been really difficult. Uh, I think the longer it's gone on, the more Zoom meetings, the harder it's been in some ways. It's quite difficult to see people you know really well just on a screen when actually you want to, what you want to do is to be with them. I think that's quite hard. Uh, and I agree with you, this is a really difficult time because we don't quite know what lies ahead and that makes it exceptionally hard. It isn't a gentle recovery uh, with a, a very clear direction uh, because as lockdown begins to ease, uh, we know there are risks. And so we hold those risks along with the perhaps the excitement of being able to see a few more people or do a few more of the things we want to do. And we know that Whatever those things are, whether it's everything from going to the cinema to eating in a restaurant, it won't be the same anyway. It's going to feel different. And no, we've been used to. I think that's right. And it's interesting isn't it, that lockdown was terrible, but was relatively simple. Mm. And coming out of it, of course, is much more nuanced and difficult and messy and ambiguous. And that causes a lot more anxiety very often. I think it does. And also in lockdown, we're all in the same place. But I think as we come out of it, we will be in different places according to our own needs and our own fears and our own hopes and anxieties. And uh, you were talking about the podcast you'd heard. One of the things that's been really important for me in this time is following the work of uh, 
project called Tragedy and Congregations, which has been running for about three years and has produced a book in response to the way that uh, congregations respond to tragedies, whether they're international tragedies or local tragedies. And I found that incredibly helpful because what you said about that, that pattern really resonates, uh, that there is a crisis. Uh, and then there is a period after that where typically uh, people respond with great energy, uh, almost heroism. And I think we've seen that across our church communities. I don't know about you, but I've been in awe of the way our worshipping communities have just been responding over these weeks in terms of activity and service and worship. But we also recognise that that's really hard to sustain and people can then become a bit irritable or disillusioned. Uh, and that's very hard to navigate. Have you noticed that around you? I, I have. And I, you sent me that, that a little bit from that, that uh, tragedy um, area and the, and, the, and the graph I thought was really helpful, that sort of change graph with a, with a, a high point and then a disillusionment and a low point. And I think the difficulty you picked it up a minute ago, the difficulty is that different worshipping communities will be at different phases and different stages on the graph. And that actually is inevitable. Um, and some have already got very excited about going back in and opening for private prayer and can't wait to open for congregational worship. And others actually are much more cautious and anxious about that. And I think I would want to say, actually, that's fine. You know, we don't all need to be at the same point on the curve. In fact, it would be very odd if we were. Uh, that's part of our diversity both as congregations, but also as individuals. I think that's right. And I think it's really important too, because we don't know what normal will look like. We have no idea. And actually this stage of uh, uncertainty, um, perhaps that grumpiness and people being at different stages, actually we need to take our time because we don't know what we're heading to, but also because at the moment we're trying to hold this tension between knowing that something really bad has happened and yet trying to reconcile that with all the glimpses of goodness that we're seeing around us as well. Now we have that extraordinary thing of going through one of the most beautiful springs any of us can remember with the goodness and wonder of creation around us whilst people were dying and yeah. that incredibly difficult juxtaposition and actually we need to allow ourselves time to process where God is in both the tragedy and the goodness yeah and a lot of things that we take for granted have been disrupted haven't they I just just you were just talking about grumpiness uh, you looked at me quite quite strongly as you said that so i do apologize um, but, but 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 some of the things you know that one of the things that we've lost is any sense of being in control now actually i think faith means letting go of control but for me and for i suppose if we're really honest for most of us um, we don't really let go of control and here we're being forced to and so in some ways as Christians we perhaps should be better prepared for that ambiguity and that uncertainty that lies ahead uh, I was reflecting the other day that the disciples really knew nothing of what was going to happen when Jesus simply said follow me that they didn't do a risk assessment or a cost-benefit analysis you know um, and I, maybe maybe we've just become too institutionalized and there is something here to learn from in that um, I think that's right. And I think that as we really look to our faith, this does feel like a, a time of rebuilding. and That will include faith as well. Uh, and actually ju just finding our way back to God and, and trusting God and knowing that in this phase, we're going to be doing things differently. And I think that requires 
uh, just as God delights in us, so we need to delight, delight in one another. And that means being exceptionally kind and gentle and forgiving and generous with one another, because that's the way we'll navigate this time, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, and finding different ways of doing that. I think one of the things that I've really missed is that sense of being able to experience the welcome within the body of Christ, within the family of the church. You know, for me, the heart of my faith is about the, ex the unconditional welcome of God. And we live that out when we're, when we're living out the gospel, we're living that unconditional welcome out. And that's meant to be physically, not just over Zoom, you know, and that's one of the things we've lost. And we have to find new ways of continuing that and rebuilding that and growing in that, don't we? And, and things will be different. And, and maybe some of that recovery actually is, and that rebuilding also means some dismantling. And maybe we need to be open to that as well. I'm sure that's right. I was really struck in the latest blog on the Tragedy and Congregation Project. Hilary Eisen speaks of us being at the edge of our known world so far. And that for me is so striking. We don't really have a map or a chart for the next step. And that requires immense trust as we move forward and, and a reshaping of what we know, uh, taking with us the best of what has been, I think. In, into a different future because actually our job is is to serve the world that God loves so uh, I guess part of me doesn't want to agonize too much about what happens as a church but actually what it means to be a church in the world yeah yeah and and so we need to be agile don't we actually again it comes back to following Jesus without too much baggage so that we can respond to what he's calling us to, to be and do in, in, in the world around us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for our worshipping communities, this bit is going to be demanding because we're going to have people who will perhaps not want to come out, uh, people who will want to gather in a building again. Uh, we're going to have all sorts of questions about what we do and how we live in our wider communities. Uh, and it will take time to work through those. And that will involve change and it will involve loss, won't it? And, and that means probably being ready to, to ride that curve we've spoken about several times, uh, individually in us worshipping communities, which isn't, isn't very encouraging for some people who hate change and loss, you know, yeah. And you and I have a very strange job, Phil, being archdeacons. What do you think our job will be in the weeks ahead? We do have a strange job. And I think one of the things about this lockdown is it's sort of brought into question what, what, what exactly is the, the core of our job? Because it's very easy as an archdeacon, isn't it? Just to be kept busy by spinning plates. And a few of the plates have fallen off um, and a few have kept going. And I think probably part of our job is to try and try and be as, as, as unanxious as we possibly can be. Um, and find some way of reassuring people and, and also saying to I think particularly to clergy but other leaders within the church you don't need to be a hero yeah and saying that to ourselves as well um, maybe even to our bishops sometimes that, that that actually we need to let go of things you know for me ministry there's always always in ministry in Christian ministry of any sort a really fine line between what feels like success and what feels like complete failure um, and I often say to clergy you, you know you're very we're very good at preaching grace to other people but not very good at preaching it to ourselves so I think one of the things I'm trying to do is to preach a bit of grace to myself um, 
and to you, Hilary. So, um, but it, but but we need we need to hear that, don't we? And to to uh, and to not feel we have to do everything. We do, and I think the word that's coming to me again and again has actually been a key word for years for me is the word faithfulness, because actually we're called to be faithful. We're we're not called to be superhuman. We're called to be faithful. And so, what does being faithful look like now? Well, for you and for me. Being faithful, I think, is being good pastors, good supporters, good encouragers. Um, and for everybody else, I think it's starting the day with prayer and doing what we can uh, to be, you know, the hands and heart and feet of God in the world. And that's all we can do. Um, and we just do it in the best way we can. I think probably um, you, you and I are old enough to remember that number one hit, one day at a time, sweet Jesus. And that's probably <laughs> not, a bad, not a bad slogan for the it, next few it's months. A very good one. And I think also uh, hope is really important, isn't it? Um, we, we really come back to hope again and again uh, that, that God does have that in his hands, really. I just realised I was a bit rude there. You're a bit younger than me, so probably you don't remember it. I am indeed a bit younger than you, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, in a moment, w- would you like to pray? Yeah. And before you do that, I wondered if I could read the verse of a hymn. Yeah. Which seemed to me very pertinent for where we are at the moment. Um, it's a verse from All My Hope on God is Founded. God's great goodness I endureth, deep his wisdom passing thought, splendour, light and life attend him, beauty springeth out of naught, evermore from his store, newborn worlds rise and adore. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you that you invite all people from every walk of life and background to come and walk with Jesus. Thank you that you are the God of heaven and earth, of time and space. Thank you that in these present troubles, You are the God who is faithful and calls us to be faithful to you and to each other and to your needy world. And we pray for fresh courage where we need it, not in a heroic sense, but in a faithful sense. We pray for peace beyond understanding. We pray for your healing and your hope for those who are sick and those who are mourning. And we pray that you will bring us daily and weekly and monthly, to new understandings of your love and fresh expressions of your purposes for us. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Hilary. Good to talk to you. Thank you, Phil, and good to talk to you.